Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. I'm starting to slow because I got a little excited, nervous energy in me because I really believe God wants to do something today. I'm kind of really nervous because I think God wants to do something today. Anybody need God to do something today? Come on, don't fool me. This is yours. It's about you today. You need God to do something in your life today? Maybe it's not physical in your body and it's not present here at church with you, but you need him to do something. Is that okay? So I anticipate that if you would listen, give your ears, God is going to do something today. I don't mean, you know, just as a saying. I mean an actual something, that someone would be able to witness it, that you'll be able to see it and know it. You believe with me? Okay. So I want to walk through the message we're talking about, the gospel influence. I want to walk through one part of the gospel influence message, and I just want to talk about the impact of the gospel, okay? So I want to walk through this, and as usual, I need you. I don't have a specific verse that you can follow all the way through. I do have one or two that kind of makes the point. But I'll be talking from the book of St. John, and we'll talk in a sort of a holistic kind of way. So I would ask you, if you want to carry this away with you, to take a note or two. Not because my words are so good, but because you might need to remember, okay? And then review it yourself. How many of you know there is power in the Word of God? Now, let me say it this way so I can make sure that we are clearly understanding and saying the same thing. I'm suggesting to you that when you hear God speaks, that's an opportunity for whatever it is you're asking for because His words have power. They will do something. You with me? I'm not talking about the regular church There's power in the Word of God. And I agree with that, but I go home the same. So I'm hoping today you will listen. Not because I have something so great. I'm just going to tell you what the scripture says. You will get to see it. And you will get to determine for yourself what you think. Is that okay? Last time I was up before you, I said there were three things you have to know if you're going to experience the gospel of God. And I talked then about how he releases your conscience. But I said there were three things you have to believe. And I only gave you one before I left, so I want to give you the last two. I'm going to name all three of them again. One, you have to believe in the person of Jesus Christ. He's a human being who lived, died, and rose again, sent from God. Got that? Two, you must believe in the purpose of Jesus Christ, why he came, his mission. He came to save. Is that okay? He came to save me. You understand that? Then you have to believe in the power of Jesus Christ. You understand that? The Bible says he has all authority given unto him. So if the gospel is ever going to be effective in your and my life, we have to believe those three things. And we're challenged to believe them. So I want to start out by just talking with you first a little bit about John's gospel because I want to set the stage of what the evidence is that I want to present to you. All right? I'm not reading through the book of John, but if you were to look at the book of John, John's gospel is different than every other gospel. He presents it differently. 
If you look at John's gospel, he don't start with the birth of Jesus Christ. All the others do. In some kind of way, they tell you about the lineage and the birth of Jesus Christ. John doesn't start that way. When you look at the gospel of John, John clearly lays out his gospel because he wants to present evidence that you and I can believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Chapter 20, verse 30, he says that. I'm writing these things so that you might believe, right? So it's very specific purpose in how he presents and what he presents. So in John, he only presents about seven miracles, and he selects them for a purpose. He presents miracles that are going to help him to build a point about who Jesus is. So he only does seven. All the other gospels has plenty that John doesn't record. John records it all from a different perspective. As a matter of fact, John doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs. And a sign is supposed to tell you something. So John is saying, I'm not presenting a miracle. I'm not talking about the thing he did. I'm talking about what the thing meant, the significance of the thing. So when you look at the book of John, John will show you a miracle, and then he'll go into a discourse about that miracle, and then another illustration to bring it home. So if you look at the book of John, you'll find the first miracle. You see the first thing John is talking about. When you see the second miracle, he's moving on to another significant point. Does that make any sense to you so far? Right. Now, you see, I'm telling you this because this is something you'll have to go read. I'm not going to go through all of this today, okay? I'm going to talk about one miracle and the significance of that miracle, the one miracle. Does that make sense? I talked to you last time I was here about we looked at Hebrews, and Hebrews says that no religious effort you're making will ever be enough to clear your conscience. No religion, no religious acts you do will ever be enough to please God and to settle the human debt that we have because of sin. No religious effort will be able to do it. None. There's only one way to cure that debt. That's through Jesus Christ. So when John starts off, John wants you and I to understand the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a message. You follow me? It's a message. It's not a thing he's trying to tell you God is delivering a message. Okay? So in John, John doesn't start with Jesus. When John gets ready to deliver the message, he reaches all the way back. And he says, in the beginning was the word. John is tying the message saying to you and I, it didn't start with Jesus. didn't start with the birth of Jesus. It started with God in the beginning. Are you following me? This is not a new message. This message, John is saying, is the heart of God. It's about what God wants for you and I and the world. It's not about what Jesus started when he was born. In the beginning was the Word. He simply says and purposely says the Logos the Word of God, because he's trying to show the Word of God, the power of God, God is active in the person of Jesus. After he says all of this, there's a verse in John, uh, the first chapter, where he says, and he gave power to become the children of God to everyone that believes, not by the will of man, not by inheritance, but by the Spirit. John is saying, you can become a child, son, or daughter of God, just like Jesus is God's son. Wow. God wants to bring you into a family relationship with him so you are his child. 
and it doesn't depend on where you were born, and it does not depend on who your parents are, and it does not depend on your heritage. It depends on the Spirit of God. Got that? Now, there are two types of people listening to me today. There are some folks who are in church, they understand all of this, and then there are some who don't. If you understand all of this, you ought to be moving today when we get done. You ought to be active. If you don't understand all this, this is new to you, you ought to be empowered today to be God's child. Okay? Now, I want to take you to a couple of scriptures because I want to make a point, and then I'll draw the conclusion to the message, okay? So if you would, would you go to me to John chapter 3, verse 16? You know this verse, right? But I'm asking you to look at it. I'm asking you to look at it from the perspective of you understand John is saying this thing started back with God. And John is saying the message I'm trying to deliver you is the message of God. So John chapter 3 verse 16 says what? Go ahead. That's okay. All together. One more time. Very good. Now put some passion to this and understand. John is saying, listen, God so loved the world that he acted on that love. And one evidence of that love is his son. When you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at one of the acts God has done to demonstrate his love. Jesus is part of the message. Come on now. You understand that? Jesus is an important part a central part, but nevertheless part of the message. Jesus is an expression of God's love to humanity because God is in him. Now, John says, I need you to understand that what's happening in these miracles is God expressing something to you that you and I have to get. So the first miracle was the miracle of Canaan where he turned the water into wine. Is that right? The significance of that miracle is conversion, transformation. The message of the miracle is the power of transformation, the miracle of conversion. So they were at a wedding, which was traditional, and they are trying to have wine. Weddings last about seven days, and it's an embarrassing thing if the wine runs out before the party's over. So they traditionally watered the wine down to make it last longer, and then public drunkenness was a problem too, so that helped curb public drunkenness. But the wine was supposed to last throughout the party, and now they're running out. Jesus' mother asked him to do something about it, and he decides to ask them to bring over some ceremonial washing pots. He could have just spoken the wine jars to fill, but he used the ceremonial cleansing pots. They weren't holding wine. They never held wine. They were designed for ceremonial washing. Jesus then takes the washing pots that are designed for ceremonial worship and turns the water that they put in them into wine. What he does is he takes and compares the tradition of the old culture to the immediate impact of faith in Christ and says how fast you can move from nothing trying to get clean to instantaneously the joy of the Lord. It don't take all of that work anymore. The old tradition had to go through several different things of washing and presenting yourself and making yourself ready and hoping God would say, okay, that's good enough. But he said, now Christ has come. Now when Christ speaks a word, do you remember his his mother told him, whatever he says, do that. Now when Christ speaks a word, 
He is echoing what God said. Matter of fact, the scripture says, Jesus says, I would never say anything the Father didn't say. Come on, somebody. He was not combative and different or contradictory to God. He was only saying what God is saying. You understand that? So when he says, you don't have to come through ceremony or tradition no more. All you have to do is believe my word. He was saying what God is saying. Whatever he says, do that. And the Bible says the servants went and filled those jars, and it was instantaneously that he told them not to dip out of it and go serve. And the man said, wow, you say the best for last. You ain't seen nothing yet. Come on. Yeah. Listen, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. If you get a hold of this new wine, you ain't seen nothing yet. He does this miracle, and then right after he does his miracle in chapter 2, he goes into the temple and overturns the money changer's table. He's still doing the same point. He's still talking about the significance of the New Testament versus the Old. The first one was, you don't need ceremonial washing. God's going to do something automatically if you can believe me, okay? Then he goes, and he goes into the temple, and he sees all these people giving exchange for money and taking change and doing those kind of things, doing business in the temple, and he gets upset. Here's what he gets upset about. They're doing this in the court of the Gentiles. This space is designed for the Gentiles to come and participate in God's plan. But Christians got it crowded with dove exchanges and goat buying and oil and and whatever else the Christians got it overcrowded with. So the Gentiles can't get in. Hmm. You know, have you ever thought about how would you witness to someone who don't know anything about the Bible? Have you ever thought about your church talk could stop them from getting in? Have you ever thought about your religious requirements, the way you see it might be blocking people? Have you ever thought you're saying, well, you got to do this and you got to do this first is in the way? You ever thought about that? You're just exchanging doves. This is what we do. Jesus gets upset with that because you're thinking it's what you're doing that's making a difference. It ain't what you did that got you saved. So how do you block the way for other people? So he gets mad and turned over and says, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. You're supposed to be open, letting folks in, but you're blocking the way. I'm not saying that's you. You have to determine if that's you. But I know it's us, and Jesus wants to get that out the way. Listen, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, there are some things I need to do to get my life right, then God will bless me. <sighs> Wrong answer. I apologize on the behalf of the church that you think like that. I'm sorry. That's not the way it works. You know, I want God to bless me and heal me, whatever, but I know I got some things that are not right. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, you got to live right. Please don't make me go there. Just let me work with this, okay? So in your mind, don't get caught off. We're not saying sin is acceptable and you can get away with it the way you want to. Because a man or woman who's born of God does not continue in sin. All we got to do is get you to the right message. And the message is not how you do what you do. That's not the message. I'm going to show you the message in a minute, but that's not it. After he turns over the money changer's table, then he goes, and there's this guy who comes to him by night, which is kind of an amazing story to me. Nicodemus, who grew up in church, was a Bible teacher, comes to Jesus by night. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, Master, I know that you're a man sent from God, but I'm having issues. I don't know what they talked about that prompted Jesus to come back with this answer. Except that a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But I do know what it did to Nicodemus. It made Nicodemus confess 
that I know what I've been doing hasn't been working, but what could I do at this age? I'm so old now, I can't start over. I know how it feels as a man who wants to start over. When you look at your life and you see the errors and the mistakes and the things you could have done differently and should have done better, you wish you could start over. You've been doing what you're doing because that's all you know to do. But then when you hear the messenger, you see Jesus, or you hear the church, you realize, I haven't done it right. And you wish you could start over. But you're embedded in what you've been thinking and believing and teaching, and you don't know anything else. What can I do, Nicodemus said? Do I go back into my mother's womb and start all over? That's not possible. And Jesus Christ confronts that frustration. He says, listen, if you go back into your mother's womb, you'll just be human again. You're still going to come up short. You see, in the wedding, the wine came up short. When they did the traditional, it ran out early. See, it don't matter how well you do it as a religious act, it's going to come up short. You understand me? God is trying to say through Nicodemus, I don't care how versed you are in it, how well you think you know it. You have to be willing to deal with the fact that if you're coming up short, there's something you're missing. I believe in the power of God. How about you? Listen, the Bible says nothing shall be impossible. Amen. God help us. I told Pastor Steve, and I'm sitting here in front of you now, it doesn't make sense. This is not Tony. I'm not the guy who want to be in front of people. I would rather be sitting somewhere quiet. I don't like crowds, just maybe two people for about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> but you know why I look like I can handle hours? Because I can. Because God changed me. You can't tell me as a believer you're not a people person. If you started off as one, once you get saved, you are one. Yeah. You break out of that shell. You get past those limitations. Mm -hmm. You do exceedingly abundantly above all you used to think. Woo. You don't limit yourself. When the Spirit of God looks at Nicodemus, Jesus just explains a few things. I don't know what happens to Nicodemus in that moment, but he says, listen, you're messed up because you can't understand earthly things. How is it you're going to understand heavenly things if you get stuck on this little thing? You've been talking about me for years. You got to let that go. I'm talking about a spiritual thing that comes like the wind and it happens without you. You understand me? Do you know God's love is not because of you in the sense that you did something, but it's because of him? How many of you know that? All the everlasting Restless love of God chasing after me? That means I was running. <laughs> I wasn't searching for him. He was chasing me somewhere. But praise God, he's patient and faster than me. Because he caught me. And I'm happy about that. God, I'm so glad you caught me. It's been uncomfortable, but I'm glad you caught me. How many of you know loving God can be uncomfortable? Because right away, even today, he's calling you out of your boundaries. I'm going to help you with that. But he's calling you out of your boundaries. After he meets Nicodemus, he goes on and he meets this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Now, she's religious, but she's not as religious as Nicodemus. Notice he started with blocking the Gentiles. Then he started talking to really religious people who don't have it. Now he's talking to a woman who thinks she wants to have it, but she's blaming everything is in her way. And at the well, he speaks to this woman, and he says to this woman, she too is stuck in tradition. She thinks her relationship with God has to do with what she does and who she is by birth. 
Jesus says, if you understood who I am sitting here talking to you, you'd ask me to give you a drink. Because what I want to do in your life has nothing to do with how you were born, where you were born, and the state you were born in. What I want to do with you is I came this way. She didn't see the part of the scripture where it said he must go through Samaria. She didn't know that. She thought it was happenstance that he walked up on her life at the well at 12 noon drawing water. But that was a plan of God that I'm going by Samaria at noon where I know they don't expect me because I want to do something radical. I want to break down tradition and show how conversion happens instantaneously when you know the man of God through whom God dwells. Jesus looks at her and we get all upset because of this exchange, but it wasn't about her. It was about he looking into her heart and saying, I know you. I know how you've been struggling. I know how you've been compensating. I know how you've been crutching your life alone. I know how you've been dealing with it, trying to endure it. And the thing you got now is not working. Come on, if we can get somebody to admit your thing ain't working. You're compensating, but you know it's not working. I can't tell because you look good every Sunday. But you know when your thing is not working. Your heart's right. It ain't about the heart. It's about that thing. Your heart's right. You want to know God. That's why you're trying. That's why you're doing what you're doing. Because you really want the power of God working in your life. Am I right? You really want it. And you want to see the tangible power of God working in your life like you hear other people talking about. Right? I used to sit there and think, God, you're doing miracles for everybody? Come on, what about me? I've been there. And I was faithful in church and I didn't see God doing anything. That bothered me. I thought it was me. Maybe I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I can't quote the Bible or I can't pray like that or whatever it might be. God is saying, no, 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 no. That's not the problem. The problem is not what you're doing. I'll tell you the problem. You want to know the problem? Go with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Romans, chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 8 first. Someone with some courage. Would you stand and read that out loud for me? In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. That message is the very message about faith that we preach. What's this subject about here? The message. I told you John wanted to clarify the message. John didn't start with Jesus. He reached all the way back to the beginning and say, in the beginning was the word, message. See, it takes words, logos, to form a statement, a declaration. And the message is also the word. It's not a word. It's the word. It's what God is saying. You understand? The message. I was talking to some friends of mine the other day in uh, Denny's. They helped me because I was asking them, help me think through this message. And I asked them a few questions, and I got such wisdom from them. I was so excited. I said, what's so special about the message? The message. I said, it came from God. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that does make a difference, doesn't it? And Caleb said, because when it comes from God, it's a law. And it either works or it doesn't. When it comes from God, it's a law. It's a principle that has to work because God said it. And I went, whoa, okay, that's good. (laughs) We over breakfast, he blew me out. Then I said, so what makes the message so important? What makes that message so important? Jenna said to me, it's because it's not a message. It's the message. First of all, I was just in awe. But I had to ask her, help me explain that, Jenna. What do you mean? Jenna said, it's the message. And the message voids every other message. Come on, you got to think with me. The message voids every other message. 
you and I have listened to and heard lots of messages. At the wedding, they knew how it's supposed to work. So they were following what they thought they knew. Jesus comes in with something different. Nicodemus was following what he knew. Jesus comes in with something different. The woman at the well was doing what she knew. Jesus comes in with something different. Maybe our problem is not what we're doing, but what we're hearing, what we're listening to. Maybe the struggle is not what you're doing, but what you're listening to. He said the message ain't that far. It's real close to you right now. It's so close, it's in your mouth. Come on, you got to get ready for a miracle. I'm about to unleash this on you. You ready? He said the message, the message of God, God's message in this first miracle is how the power of God can instantly transform your life. The word of God, if you hear it and believe it, it will instantly transform your life. Anybody with me? Watch this. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Someone else read that one for me. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Romans 10, 17. Ain't that what it said? So where does faith come from? Hearing. Hearing. If you lack faith, you have to check what you've been hearing, not what you've been doing. Jesus proves at the wedding, it's not what you're doing that's going to get God's attention. It's what you're listening to. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from Are we talking about the gospel? Yes. The gospel is the message of God to the world. God loves the world so much that he sent his son. That's part of the message. That whoever believes the message, he's a central part of the message. But you believe the whole message. You can't get caught up just with Jesus going to do it for me. No, that's not the whole message. The message is God loves you so much he won't sit in heaven and watch you struggle and suffer when he know the real answer is you being with him and him being with you. Come on, you with me? Watch this. I don't have time to take you here. But the Bible says in John, John emphasized this probably more than anybody. I haven't counted, but I'm, I'm willing to wager that. John probably says phrases like this more than anybody, especially starting after chapter 12. He starts saying things like, well, I'm going to the Father, and I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. But don't worry. I'm going to send you an advocate who will not only be with you, he will be in you. Got that? John says that kind of stuff more than anybody, that he is in you, in you, in you, in you. Then Romans and Ephesians and Corinthians, all of them echo that. Who has known the mind of God, 1 Corinthians says, except the spirit of God? And who has known the mind of man except the spirit of man? But God has put his spirit in you so you will know the mind of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, put your hand on your head so I got his mind. I know what he wants. Now listen, that's not just for fun. That's for the real impact of the gospel on your life if you can hear it. Here comes my challenge. I'm challenging you to hear it. Faith comes by hearing. Way before you sit here, God looked at you in your broken in your mistrusting, in your I don't know what to do, in your insecure, in your I don't like my nose, whatever it is you got going on, 
before you got to that problem, God saw you and knew you. And he still made a decision that I'm running after you. Question, how can we go to the world with the power of the gospel if we don't feel it and know it ourselves? Yeah, some of you say, I feel God loves me, so I can go to the world with that. Yeah, but so does everybody else say they love me. I need more than that. I need power. How many of you know the world needs signs? They need to see something. Does anybody know what the sign God has given them today is? The sign to the world that God is in power and he wants to save? You know what the sign is today? You. Me. You shall be a sign. You a witness. You the witness. I'm about to directly challenge you, so get ready. You the witness. The message of the gospel is, in one way, this is not the whole thing because I'm only preaching on one part, okay? Pastor Steve brought some last time and the others, Jeff and others will bring some, but Here's one of the most important parts of the message. God cares so much about you. He wants to live in you. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if you believe him, is living in you. You got to think about that. This is what God is saying, not what Tony is saying. I want to be your God and you be my people and I will dwell with you. And in you. Jesus said it this way. I'm leaving. But I'm not leaving you alone. Greater works that I'm doing. You're going to do. Because the spirit of God. Would be in you. How many are saved today? Come on. Hold on behind. Let me see them. Don't be shy. You're saved today. You have the spirit of God living in you. What would you do. If God came down. Whispered. A personal message in your ear. Put his arm around you and say, hey, Tony, I see you hurting. I see you trying. I see you struggling. I know what you lost. I know what life has cost you. I know you did your best and half the people didn't get it. I know you're still trying and some of them think you're crazy. I know your body is aching. I know your heart's hurting. I know you're confused. I know you want to make the right decisions and you don't want to mess it up. But I want you to know that none of that matters because I want to live in you. And when I move in you, you have the power to wipe away your past and start all over and break every chain that ever held you back. And when I move in, there are no limits to what you can do. That when you walk down the road, I am walking with you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I don't need you to ask me, will you protect me? Know that I'm with you. What if he whispered that message to you directly? Would you believe it? If you heard it, what would you do? What would you do differently than you're doing right now? Watch me. Anybody here heard it? I talked to Miss Jane, so I have the upper hand on her. She got pain in her body. Anybody else got pain in your body? Watch me. Keep them up because I'm about to tell you something. The Bible says the power of God in you raises dead people. If that's true, what would it do for pain? God says, Jesus said, by his stripes, you were healed. Maybe what you're listening to is the voice of the pain rather than the voice of the Savior. So you go around talking about what you're hearing. My body is telling me I can't do it. And I know that's real. I'm not denying that. That's real. 
But does the gospel overcome reality? You think Lazarus wasn't really dead? Come on now. It's your pain. When it's your pain, it's the worst pain. It's not mine, so I don't understand it. But I know he break pain. Do you believe it? If you're in pain, wherever you're in pain, do something. Let me tell you what faith is before you do anything. Faith is I heard it, so I'm going to act. Faith is not thinking. You can't think faith. Faith is doing. When you're in pain, you're listening to the pain because you're doing exactly what the pain telling you to do. Do what the Spirit says. You're in pain? Stretch it. Because the pain saying you can't. Tell it by the power of God I can. Come on, it's your time for your miracle. You're in pain. I'm waiting. You believe it? Now watch. I can tell if you believe it by the action you're taking right now. I told you I was going to put you on the spot. You're hurting? Stretch it. Come on. Don't be shy. Stretch it. God will take it away. Listen, this is not me talking. He said if you believe it, It'll be unto you according to your faith. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? And if you believe it, you defy it. You defy the pain. And you reach up to heaven and you tell God, God, my body belongs to you. You live in it. You energize it. You renew it. I know you do. And you receive it in the name of Jesus. You walk in that. Pain, even if you decide to send me messages continually, I won't believe you. I believe healing. I believe deliverance. And you walk in that. Come on. You know your limitations. Pain is just something folk can witness to right here. But you know your limit, right? Come on, get with me. Because I'm challenging everybody in here. I don't like coming to church and we don't get nothing. I like church. I love people in church. But I like to grow. I like to become something different tomorrow than I was today. Come on. You don't have to do like me. It ain't about what you do. How you do it is about that you hear the message and you act on it. Okay? The gospel message says God can change a person's life in an instant if they believe. And it doesn't come by understanding or by agreement or accuracy. It comes by faith. That if God said you believe it, however inaccurate and clumsy you are doing it, you do it. Because that's what works. You understand me? When you hear the gospel, the Bible says it's near you, it's in your mouth. In other words, if you hear the message of Jesus Christ and you then confess it, you'll be saved. That's not just immediate first-time salvation. It's anywhere you need him. Anywhere you need him. Anybody got some place in your life you need him? Maybe you can't show it here, but here's the challenge. I want you to put that thing on your mind that you really need him for. You ready? Just put it on your mind, that thing. God, I need you in this thing. And I want you to think about all the messages that thing has been telling you. You never make it. It's not going to go away. You just got to live with it. Nothing you can do about it. Just the way it is. You're no good. You're not worth it. Whatever that is that's been speaking to you. You see, anytime the voices of your life are louder than the voice of God, you're going to suffer. Because you're going to believe the voice of those other things rather than his voice. And as his sheep, you're supposed to know his voice. And you follow his the message of God is not just sent out as something to say. It's sent to heal. It's sent to deliver. It's sent to set free. Is that all right? Yeah. And only people will hear it, God says, if people who want it. Not forcing it on you. If you don't want it, that's okay. I will not point you out. But man, I'd love to celebrate with those who want it today. Because I think God is doing something literally right now. Pastor Earl, 
You're not limited by the doctor's report. That's just their message. When I met you, you was wondering about your health. And here you're still standing and walking and talking and doing everything the doctor said you probably couldn't do. Because when I saw you, I saw God live in you. And when God lives in you, I told Pastor Lynn McIntosh, we just got to get him to believe it and walk it out. When you get active and you decide you're going to do whatever you got to do anyway, God's going to show you the healing. Listen, there's work to be done. There's a world to be saved. And if you're nursing your own wounds and health, you can't do the work. You can't do the work. You can't witness to the world without being social. Only people you're going to see is us. And sometimes we're not the best testimony for you for the power of God. You've seen us. Some of us are operating at our maximum right now. You need to see more. You go out to where the power is not present and watch God work, he'll blow your mind. In church, you get, yeah, that's okay, but I understand that's a so-and-so. But outside in the world, you'll see the power of the gospel working, right? You can't just stay at home, you and your little nucleus family, and talk about how good God is. I'm sorry. That ain't how it works, y'all. You love your family. I don't think that's great. But trouble is in the world. And it's closing in on your house. The only reason it's closing in on your house because you all got the light behind walls. You and I got to get social, man. You got to go out to coffee in places you don't want to go and things you don't want to be in sometime to get out, get out there. And believe, believe me, I don't mean go get drunk at the bar. I mean get out social. <laughs> Socialize with people. Meet strangers. Talk to folk. Shake hands with people. But you can't do that if you need healing. Because you're sitting up nursing yours. Oh, God, one of these days when you heal me, I'm going to get out there. But I got to get you to heal me first before I go. No, come on. It's not the way it works. If you be about your father's purpose, he'll be about your healing. You understand me? You have to have a message that's translated from church language to a way other folk can understand it in order for it to work. And if you can't see it work in your life in the simplest way, you can't give it to anybody simple. So here's a simple challenge. That thing you got on your mind, don't do nothing just for me. Don't do it just because I'm asking. But that thing you got on your mind that you really need God to do something about. I want you to think of a faith action you can take about that thing. A faith action you can take about that thing. All right? Can't change other people, but you can act in faith. You follow me? Make that faith action a determination and determine today you're going to stand on it. You're going to perform it faithfully, faithfully, not so you can see if it works. You with me? Not so you can test it to see what that preacher actually pulled in my chain. Not that way. But you made a determination because you're hearing the gospel that you're going to do something in faith because you believe God's in you and he's working for your good. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you shall cease. And because he's in you, great is he that is in you that he's in the world. Anybody believe that? So I want you to take that action that you got in your mind. And if you're determined to stand on that, I want to ask you to get ready to stand and let us pray with you. I won't be in your house when this action lands at your door and God blows your mind. But you can come back to church and tell us how it worked. Is that all right? Yes. When I came to church, my neck was hurting Yes. God has healed <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for the witness, Mark. Listen, he's doing more right now. Something he's done, you just ain't had a home to see it yet. When that person come up and apologize to you or whatever needs to happen for you to know that, 
Don't worry. Just remember God does that. There's healing and restoration wherever he's present. And he's present in you. So if you've made that determination, Tony doesn't have power. But I'm praying in agreement with you for the power that lives in you. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's working. It's always working. It's working right now in you. It heals cancer. It relieves of bad habits. It breaks chains. It heals minds. It heals diseases. It restores souls. It brings families back together. It brings peace where there is no peace. It brings understanding and clarity where there is no understanding and clarity. For he is the light. And if you believe in God right now, stand with me. Meditate. Don't look around. There's too many other messages. Meditate. Think about the words of this song. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 